0: This is the Serial at Midnight Podcast, Episode 7. Hello and welcome to the Serial at Midnight Podcast. My name is Heath Holland, and this is a really fun one because we're talking about canon movies with the guy that knows canon movies more than anybody else that I, that I know. Uh, Austin Trunick is the author of the Canon Film Guide, volume one and volume two volume three is on the way now if you're watching the video version of this on youtube hey podcast listeners there's a video version on youtube hey youtube viewers there's an audio version wherever you get your podcasts got cross promote each platform uh if you're watching the video version you see that i am holding up these two volumes and they are beasts they are mammoth behemoths volume one I thought was big at the time. It's about 525 pages. I was, let's, say, maybe, let's say 530. Um, and I thought it was pretty exhaustive at the time. Because this is actually the second time I've talked to Austin Trunick. And uh, hopefully not the last. Because I, I just love the guy and what he's doing. Um, but volume two comes along. And it is a thousand pages. And so much more uh, in depth with even more interviews. So here's what Austin does. Austin is a Canon Films fan. We talk about Canon. The Canon group. We're talking about Golden and Globus. We're talking about all those wild, wonderful, weird, crazy. They look like they're exploitation movies, but they're done with huge for the time, huge budgets. Now we look at something like the Fast and the Furious now, or all these Marvel movies, or you know, there's so much exploitation at the box office now, but it's these huge budgets. Um, I think I saw the other day that the the Fast and the Furious, the next Fast and the Furious movie, is like well over three hundred million dollars as a budget. It's crazy, crazy, crazy stuff because the exploitation movies historically, the 40s, the 50s, even the 30s, you know, let's go back to Reefer Madness or something like that. These movies were shot with such a low budget and they were B pictures. They were meant to be like, you know, the bottom half of of a double feature with the A picture being the prestige title and the B picture being like the bonus movie. But B pictures got away with so much. Uh, and exploitation movies were really leaning into whatever was salacious, whatever sells. Didn't necessarily have to be scummy or anything like that, but just whatever like whatever keeps people watching. And would they deliver the goods? Sometimes they would. Sometimes they wouldn't. You know, Corman would know. Roger Corman would know that you craft a good poster, you can sell a movie based on a poster. And, of course, that continues in the Golan and Globus with the canon group because those posters are amazing. So it's marketing materials for movies that never existed. And Austin is the guy to talk to about Canon movies because he is the keeper of the flame. He has, he has the materials is like in this interview. He's like, ah, let me just show you this. And he's taken out huge file folders full of press materials, press releases, pitches for movies that never got made pitches for movies that did get made, but with different people attached to them, uh, advertising posters and, you know, like big lobby card kind of things for, again, movies that never were produced, but they were marketed. You know, it's like we sell the idea, then we make the movie. So, Austin Tronic is the man to talk to when it comes to canon movies. Uh, and I know so many of you guys love canon films. We're talking about, I'm going to hold these up again. We're talking about Chuck Norris movies. We're talking about Lou Ferrigno. We're talking about Bronson. Uh, we're talking about the dance, the dance movies. We're talking about Ninja, Ninja 3. Um, with the American Ninja films, we are talking about Michael Dudikoff. canon movies. Uh, they owned the 80s. I was lucky to have grown up in the 80s when these movies were dominating the the canon films three, the domination. I don't know. Uh, they were huge, but the story of canon films and not just the you know, like the business side of it, but also the film side of it. What was it like to work for these guys? How was it like every aspect of this? there've been multiple documentaries about canon films uh, but none of them go into the level of research or detail or really history that the canon film guide does austin tronic talks in this interview about uh, his research process i'm fascinated by this you guys we you know a lot of, i you're going to see this when you watch this interview but i want to preface i want to like prepare you a little bit what does it take to research a multi thousand page project like this when you want to talk to someone, you want to talk to an actor that was in a movie, what does it take to research that? When no documents exist about, you know, when did this movie shoot? Where did it shoot? He's going, find out in this interview where he's getting this information and what's involved to get that information. I have so much respect. You know, I'm a historian at heart. I think that comes through in the videos that you see here on this channel um, and, and listen to you know, for the podcasters that, that are listening. I think history uh, is a big part of what I do um, because I just like I was a history major I was a history education major in college actually and so the idea of like how to accumulate knowledge to to keep the to like to preserve the knowledge and then to to you know put forth the knowledge in an approachable fun uh, fashion that's the thing here and this is a canon film history that doesn't read like a dry boring text it reads as thrilling as as the movies themselves play out on our screens. So, we cover a lot of ground here in this interview. We talk about physical media, we talk about film restoration, we talk about research. We talk about here's a weird thing we talk about uh, how to, how, how to heart like how to lasso your, you want know, the moon, Mary? Let me laugh. We talk about how to, how to grab your destiny, uh, how to chase your dreams and make them happen. Like, that's I think that's probably not what people were gonna expect out of this interview, but it went there. Uh, we talk about the Mahoning Drive-In, who's doing incredible things, and they just came off some canon events this past summer. Uh, so, for movie fans, for physical media fans, for fans of the '80s, for martial arts movie fans, and action movie fans, this is a crossroads for a lot of awesome things. Uh, and Austin Tronic is just an amazing guy, and he's so talented. And I'm so grateful that uh, that he that he talked to me here. This is the second time I've talked to him. First time I talked to Austin. Uh, We didn't go that long, Uh, but this, we really get into the nuts and bolts. If you want to know what's going on with the Canon Film Guide Volume 3, well, you're going to find out in this episode. Guys, without further ado, let me cut to it. Austin Trunick, the author of the Canon Film Guide. Man, it is good to talk to you. I have so much, like, (laughs) so much admiration and respect for everything you're doing. I see the Mahoning shirt. What? Tell me, like, bring me up to speed, because, you know, I talked to those guys, and Mm -hmm. it's amazing. What, uh tell me about all the stuff that you you did with them over the summer
1: well i went out twice this summer once was purely just as a as a fan they had a weekend of Catherine and kelly save the world it was night of the comets um i went off night of the comet in the apple <laughs> which it's about a four hour drive about maybe about four and a half from where i live and that's that's a perfectly acceptable distance to drive to see the apple on a on a drive-in screen but then I went back for Action Fest, the second Action Fest they did um, in partnership with Exhumed Films. And I was there for the whole weekend. They showed a Walter Hill triple feature on the first night. But on the second night, they had Commando and Ninja 3 um, playing together. And on the third night, it was a, tra- a trailer show of just canon trailers that's, that uh, Exhumed had been collecting for 20 years. And it's far and away the most complete collection I, I shouldn't say complete, but the most comprehensive collection because they've got everything from you know the big movies in there to movies that I didn't even know had trailers, which was 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 very cool. Um, he has some really beautiful stuff like Penitentiary 3. I'd never seen an actual like theatrical trailer for Penitentiary 3 and that was in there. And some of these movies, I mean I've never had the chance to see them on film. I've only ever seen them on VHS. Mm -hmm. and usually ex-rental VHS copies, which are super warped and faded. So seeing a trailer for Over the Brooklyn Bridge, just a random example, up on 35 millimeter, it looked incredible. And it was just seeing like a totally different movie, because I've never seen it without the chopped parts chopped off and super faded and warped and looking like VHS quality. So that heartened me that there, there, there are probably copies of these films out there on on, on reels that maybe someday we'll get to see some of these lesser known canon movies in <laughs> either yeah. in theaters or if somebody can take them and bring them to blu-ray or something there's the, the opportunity for that the, the the vhs versions are not the ones that we necessarily have to live with forever <laughs> what is the
0: state for i mean you work so closely with these canon movies and you know them better i mean probably better than anybody well i should say like i'll probably say in the introduction to this interview as well but nobody and i mean nobody has done the level of research and scholarship that you have with canon and i you know this is our second interview we did one previously but like this is i'm holding in my hands these two volumes and this is this is history. You know, there's like like a Raiders of the Lost. I'm like, this is history. You've done so much research here and you have talked to so many people and you are a, I mean, you are the canon scholar at this point. There is no one that's competing with that. And do you see, um, are these movies being, is there a chance for America 3000 to get like a special edition from one of the boutique labels? Are they even like, are the negatives in good shape? Or have have these movies, you know, some, some of these movies really low budget movies just disappear. They're in somebody's basement. The negatives are in someone's basement or something like that. What is the state of the sort of the preservation for a lot of this stuff is, is, is what you're talking about even a reality? Is it a possibility?
1: I, I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but the boutique labels seem to be getting more in boutique gets these companies that are digging up movies that really aren't the cult films that we are kind of getting a steady diet of reissues for over and over and over again and there are a lot of things that are really coming out that are unexpected that's or or things that we've been craving for a long time mm-hmm. i i think of just last year vinegar syndrome had Very nice versions of tough guys don't dance, which is a personal favorite of mine, which I never thought anybody would pour the, the love that they did into it. But you also get, again, like with a, with a label like that, or with imprint or what radiance is suddenly doing, sort of digging into these movies that have kind of not gotten the, the home video love that, Mm -hmm. that others obviously they've been heaped on with special editions over year year after year after year i i am hoping there's a lot of these movies that i hope a label one of these labels would look at and think of and then again finding out where these copies of these prints are that they would go into it and i hope they look at these films and see that there's perhaps a viable (laughs) it's viable for them to release because it is a business. I can beg for a release on comments and message boards over and over again. I'll never do anything, but from what I understand, the home video market is becoming harder and harder and tighter and tighter. So hopefully one of these labels finds that some of these films are a viable release for their particular audience
0: like M- Matahari just got a Blu-ray release from, I think it was Kino Lorber. Um, right. So it's just a strange time when they're like, you know, I guess if something will sell a thousand copies, they're like, I hey, just do it. Let's get it out. So right. yeah, that's encouraging. Uh, what you said is actually encouraging to me because some of the stuff, it's just like these movies were made to be seen. And in the absence of a video store, you know, I know you probably discovered a lot of these movies on cable and at the, at the video store, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. You don't really have a replacement for that. So I wonder just what's the future for
1: movie literacy in the uh, in the in the future. Well, I mean, it, a lot of things I think have moved to social social media. My experience in the video store is going in and having clerks that have seen everything and can recommend things to you. And now I, I get a not the same experience, but a similar experience with listening to people on Twitter or Letterbox talk about. What they saw on Tubi, on like the dark corner of Tubi that they recommend. And that's that's the closest to the video store experience I have. But we are we we are also, although we've lost that sort of the the that everything that's involved in the nostalgia of the video store, we are moving towards an era where more stuff or at least a wider range of stuff is available and not everything, by far, not everything, and stuff spread across streaming services and being in print or out of print for, for disk disc-wise, but one of the things that really makes me happy to be living in the era that we are is that I'm not limited geographically. (laughs) I think of going to the video store in the 80s and 90s, especially in the 90s with a copy of the Psychotronic video guide from my library and reading about all these movies and they sound great. And I can realistically get to maybe two or three video stores where I lived out in Ohio and they didn't have these movies. Um, I remember one time, a very vivid memory, the Lucio Fulci the Zombie, cover the big box VHS very very recognizable very very memorable but being into zombie movies but I remember seeing that cover at a video store it wasn't one that was we visited often on the film and remembering it and it was a good DVD area where I could see it because (laughs) it wasn't at my local store they didn't have it it's nice to if you hear something or read about something you can, we, we we're not geographically limited to the video store. I am nostalgic for that era, but also thankful for what we have now with being able to order a blu for example. Yeah.
0: Or find it on Tubi, which is something mm-hmm. you just said. I think that's great because, you know, I do get a lot of the like physical media or nothing crowd. I mean, a lot of these guys mm-hmm. physical media or nothing, but it's not always going to come to physical media because it might not be, you know, the, the element's not. I was just talking to somebody the other day and they were like, "Well, companies pass on releases because the elements aren't good enough to meet the high standards of the of the home video cons- mm-hmm. of the collectors basically because they know if they put something out people are going to be like, "It's terrible quality." I was always, you know, um just happy to be able to see something and that's ultimately my mm-hmm. my goal and I know you, you know, celebrate things that are under the radar and uh we're, we're living in it. We are living in a really good time because so much of this stuff is, is available. I mean, could you imagine, I, I I say this a lot, but we have so much to be grateful for because we are old enough because I think you and I are close to the same age. We mm-hmm. are old enough to have remembered a time when if you wanted to see something, you were, you know, what you just said, or you were going through the TV guide and like circling dates and times and maybe programming your VCR to record something like you mm-hmm. had to actively really work hard to see certain things. and. Now it's so much of it's at our fingertips. Um, things are being lost, which concerns me because, like I said, there are companies that are like, well, we can't put that out because it's not clean enough or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we're really blessed. We have access to so much. I think about guys like Joe Dante, who talk about their film fandom. They're collecting canisters of actual <laughs> film. You know, could you imagine right. if your film collection was
1: actual film? Oh, my goodness. I have enough issues with space and shelf space. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know I, a temperature-controlled unit to store everything, and it's a nightmare to me at this this point in my oh, life. do
0: you tell me a little bit about that? You guys Oh no, no, no. I was just history. saying. If, I, I remember mm.
1: I, I have some experience working in a in a film archive when I was back at NYU in their Cinema Studies department. So I remember sorting through the acidic-smelling reels that would come in and viewing them, and but also going back into the chambers where they kept everything, where it was just kind of like a walk-in fridge almost, but not quite as cold, but it had that filmy smell. And but yeah, I I would have to build something like that if I were ever going to collect any sort of (laughs) reels of film. No, right now my my media storage is actually a closet. So like it's my own version of the Criterion closet, except there's a lot more rev Brown movies in there. (laughs) Um it's it's it was fun. It was my one of my pandemic projects. It's just a closet in the other room, but lots of shelves, much like the ones behind you, but mm. it's fun. It's, it's I can walk in there, you know, I have to crawl down as the, the, the ceiling gets smaller as it goes down. And I kind of have to get on my knees at one point to get to the certain sections in the back. And it's it's fun. It's, it's what, it gives me that sort of feeling of going to the video store. Mm-hmm. I can, what I want to watch tonight, I can go in there and
0: yeah. look around. I think that drives a lot of us is the idea of of having your own video store. And I think that because I don't know, it seems like a lot of the younger people <clears throat> are into this too. Younger people who didn't have, they didn't never had the video store experience. Mm-hmm. But there's so many of us who are like, you know, we just want to like that was my thing is I just wanted access to the stuff that I wanted to watch, and mm-hmm. having it just meant something. It was like. This is like security in some weird way. And now I'm on the other end of it now where I'm like, I don't have room for everything that I want Mm -hmm. anymore. Do I get a storage space? I don't want to have to get a storage space. Um, As you, so I asked you this question when we first talked, I guess it was, was it a year ago? Whenever, I think it was was two years years ago
1: at this point, Was it?
0: Wow. Um, Do you, so as you write these, these wonderful books that are, the, they are the bible for canon films i mean they really are um do you have a how has your relationship with the movies changed or has it changed have you deepened you know have you become have you loved them more or are you like uh this movie again
1: yeah there there's a few i will admit there are a few that it has been a chore to watch over and over again because a lot of these movies i'll watch five six seven times to write about them but on the other end there are movies that maybe this is Stockholm syndrome or something speaking, but some of them where the more I've watched them, the more I've each time I've loved them more and more. And a lot of that is, I think, learning the stories behind these films. Um, no one sets out to make a bad movie. Right. And if a movie things go wrong, and that's usually an interesting and it, it informs the film in some way. And And to me, that's that's as interesting or more interesting than a lot of these movies that I'm writing about, um, finding out why they are the way they are. But I'll watch a lot of them. And I, knowing these stories, I, I do love them more and more and more and, and, and getting to know the people who worked on them and seeing sort of their journey through, through their, that part of their career has, it, there, there, there are only a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of canon films that I dislike, I'll say that. And say there's a very large, large, large number that I probably love a great deal more than what the audience consensus would probably be giving a rating.
0: Yeah. You would have to, to have written, written the way you have about them. I mean, I was flipping through it again today and I was like, you're dropping... So you're... The way you write about the movies is both... I mean, you're informed and you're honest about what they are. If you're like, you know, nobody thought this was going to be this, or, you know, you're practical about what it is, but you also are so knowledgeable about, about this stuff you're dropping. I mean, I was one of the entries you're comparing it to Fellini. I was like, whoa. So, you know, like, you know, your stuff and, uh, and that really comes through in your presentation. But what I like, you've met a lot of your heroes and they say, don't meet your heroes. I do want to ask you, have you been disappointed? I don't need specifics, but have you been disappointed by meeting any of your heroes? No, no,
1: not no, not in terms of anyone in these books. I have been extremely lucky that a lot of the people who worked for canon or are willing to talk about their canon years at this point of their lives look back at it very fondly, either as a stepping stone or as a, you know, canon gave them a chance when their career was on a slide and it helped carry things mm-hmm. along a lot of people look back at it very fondly a lot of people have a lot of fondness for Menachem Golan the very colorful character one of the two cousins leading canon a lot of people really liked him even though he was a rather cutthroat producer in a lot of aspects and I'm, as far as meeting my heroes yes I've I've I, I de- I've definitely talked to a few of them Michael Dudikoff was I've done enough of these where I rarely get nervous mm-hmm. but when I finally got the call back from him and the sweetest, nicest guy in the world, most level-headed, intelligent person. And I, my voice was almost cracking just because I used to, you know, I was, when I was pretending as a ninja, dressed up in my backyard, swinging a stick around, I was pretending I was Joe Armstrong. That was, that was a connection to my past and my childhood. That was just, it was an incredible, I'm so grateful that he had the time to talk to me and to share his stories and and really share his experiences. That's that's something that not only as a canon scholar, but just as a fanboy, like an absolute fanboy, yeah. that was that was an incredible experience. Again, like a Wings Hauser somebody, if you grew up watching action movies, it's the B movies and horror movies and things like that. In in the same area that we era that we both grew up on, you definitely encountered Wings Hauser in a lot of a lot of these films. And so getting to talk to him after seeing so many of his, so many of his films, it was just, it was wonderful. People, people who work for and I found are generally have been very, very nice about it. And anybody with any bitterness has usually, usually said no. (laughs) So it's not something that they didn't want. It's, if anybody looks back on, most people who look back on that period as something that was bad, either in their lives or careers have, have politely declined, which I can understand. I don't want to drench bad memories.
0: <laughs> so have there been avenues that you wanted to explore with the books that you haven't been able to because of that, or can you just kind of figure it out yourself without an interview?
1: You can use, I, I've been able to find in a lot of these cases, other people who had different experiences on a, on a certain film, but um Yeah, you have to find workarounds. You can find vintage interviews. Um, that's that's something I've used for as as a very uh a resource I've gone to many times. Um Canon was very big for inviting film crews to their sets because that was a very easy way to get Publicity that didn't cost much money. You just get invite them and let them take notes while you're doing your work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's that's been one thing, finding co-stars, but I will say that if there's any if there are any interviews missing in these books, i don't want, I won't name names or anything, but obvious ones as you're reading, it's not for lack of trying mm-hmm. <laughs> i've I've reached out to these people, and a lot of them a lot of the ones that are absent were were people who didn't really want to dwell on that particular experience. which is unfortunate, but yeah. we love the films whether they did or not.
0: <laughs> That's true, yeah and time gives us the ability to reassess a lot of the stuff too and i know i heard somebody told it was a convention story about dolph lundgren and they asked him about masters of the universe and he was like still holds up or something like that and i was like yes it does Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i wanted to ask you about your research process because uh some people think that research now means you go to wikipedia or you go to imdb and you read the trivia i have there's a commentator who I'm not going to say who it is. I was listening to an audio commentator who was reading IMDb trivia on their commentary verbatim. And I was like, Oh, that's a no, no, you don't do that. What is the research besides, I know obviously you're watching the movies over and over, but like where else do you go to find some of this information out?
1: Well, I, I, I know that the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing people that IMDb trivia is accurate. That. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's, oh, it, it does kind of drive, I me mean, nuts. there are so many things that have wound up on there that were probably stuck on the site 25 years ago at this point that are repeated as fact, and yeah. a lot of the points in the book, I'll point that out. Like, this is a very common, and it will get repeated in not just people talking on the internet, but it will get repeated on DVD bonus features, which is mm-hmm. frustrating because there's not really a great way to clean that stuff up. Uh, yes. But no, my research process is largely, I mean, the first and foremost, the interviews where I can get them. But documents, there are lots of documents that I've been collecting for years and years and years. Um, Things like catalogs, things like pitch books and things like that, that describe what projects Canon was working on at any certain time. And once you get enough of these, you can trace where names fall off, the 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 sheet where new names are added, where the plots change and things like that. That can really tell you a lot about the production history. There are trade mag- the, the trade magazines. There's some great archives. If you're lucky enough to live near New York or Los Angeles where you have access to libraries, mine is the New York Public Library. They have the um, the Performing Arts Center. Yeah. So I'll, when I was living in New York, I was visiting there every day and now I try to go down and try to log a couple days in a row down just at the library going through all the old varieties and Hollywood reporters and those are the best resource and we're
0: really blessed to have that access to have have, have, had that access (laughs) that's an amazing resource it's it's
1: yeah they are if you if you can get to either of those places it's absolutely worth the time that's those are my research trips I take down in New York now that I'm not I no longer live there. I live a few hours away. And then newspaper archives are a great one. Newspapers.com is anybody writing (laughs) any sort of book about anything that happened in the United States in the last 100 years. That that six-month subscription deal to newspapers.com is your friend because you can find out all sorts of information, especially if the movie was shot outside of New York or Los Angeles because... In those situations, almost assuredly, the local newspaper in Tucson, or they, or they all sent their reporters to cover the movie being shot there. When Ninja Three was shooting in Arizona, Revenge of the Ninja in Salt Lake City, of course, all of the Salt Lake City papers are going to come cover the Ninja movie. So you get day by day set reports, um, things like that. So that's, that's a great sort of source of information. It's a lot of fun. Can I I interject?
0: So, so you, you presumably you look at the shooting dates for something and like, Oh, this is in Salt Lake city. And then you go to the paper for that city for those dates that you, I mean, you're like, this is like CSI (laughs) kind of stuff, right? Like you're really (laughs) piecing together the narrative on your own. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that's, That's really impressive. I someday I, I, I should screenshot some of my folders I have because I, I have digital folders where everything is sort of connected and broken down by dates and by film, and it looks like that the the Charlie Day that's always sunny like meme yeah. photo where yeah. <laughs> but things like I just trying to put together like what was shooting on each day when they on each day of filming of something like Tough Guys Don't Dance or Maria's Lovers. Those are both movies that. Thanks to those newspapers, you can sort of write down like, oh, on Thursday they were doing this. On Friday they took a break, and like this guy went and did something else. And on Saturday they were back to shooting this scene on this side of town. And it's the newspapers are a great resource, local, local prints. And finally, magazines. They're they're there we are living in unfortunately in a period where there, there are not many print magazines. Mm-hmm. Um but we have so many other forms of media that, of course, making up a lot of the room that those going away, um, they're filling those spaces that they used to occupy. But back in the 80s, we had magazines just for like martial arts films, just for action films. We had so many movie magazines. And so it's a lot of I spend a lot of time looking through auction sites and <laughs> digging through uh, like talking to dealers talking to collectors and and just accumulating stuff over years the years as far as just so a lot print of, research material
0: a lot of it hasn't been digitized right it's just it still lives on only in the physical form right
1: right right
0: see this is the thing there's so much fear around physical media or i see a lot of fear and some of it is founded as much as i hate to say it some of it is because mm-hmm. some of this stuff just goes away these magazines just go away mm mm-hmm. Even archive, I'll say for people out there, archive.org is a fantastic resource for old documents.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I just found a bunch of uh, of fifties. Uh, 50s- I was looking for some information about fifties westerns, and I ended up at archive.org, and I was like, oh my gosh, they've got like the whole run here, and they're a nice PDF. You can do PDF, you can do uh, EPUBs, whatever you want. To. It's like, oh, it's like a secret that I don't. I guess we It's. I guess it's okay to talk about, but yeah, mm-hmm. use the knowledge viewers out there use the well, listeners use the knowledge responsibly
1: there's a little a little plug for archive.org it's the only place you can see you can re- easily see uh, Goddard's King Lear that he made for canon with Molly Ringwald and Woody Allen and just this bonkers bonkers movie but because of various rights things that that Goddard used that he probably shouldn't have it's been tied up in uh, with rights problems and it hasn't gotten a great media release but if you go to archive.org there's a pretty pretty decent uh digital digital copy you can view so yeah that's it's that's, that's great there's it great I mean, stuff like that
0: yeah uh it, i always tell people when a legitimate um avenue is not available fans find a way uh, mm-hmm. this stuff you know it's like it's like jurassic park like life finds a way but it is like we find a way to get this stuff, and, and even if it's an eBay auction. So now you have to scan all those magazines and upload them to archive.org. It's your, it's on you now.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's oh gosh, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lift up a very comically large prop, but okay. Just see, you can see sort of the materials I'm working with here. This Holy is cow. one box of just canon. These are all just press kits, and I've got these. They're they're the comic long boxes, but just filled with. Thousands and thousands of pages of Canon print materials. So that's someday. Maybe I'll finish the books and then set about scanning things. But it, I, I feel good scanning some of these things. Is there are pitch kits for pro- Canon projects that some of the people who were listed as stars didn't know about. They didn't even know Canon was pitching them as like the star of like a, of this particular movie. And it's fun to grab that and scan that because. I've talked to some people who worked for Canon and I've asked them like, what about this project that was never made? And they're like, this is the first I've heard of it. What can you tell me about? (laughs) Yeah.
0: You're the guy I'm telling you. Have you ever thought about, um, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, but like a a book of Canon ephemera, like whenever you wrap this stuff down, like maybe a photo book of ephemera. You ever thought about that?
1: I, yeah, it's something I lay, lay awake and in bed at night dreaming of. There's, there's, there are some publishers out there. and and not even like a not even like a going as far as like the big, heavy, expensive Tashin, but I think of like a company like Bitmap Books, who do these like just gorgeous, beautiful objects, heavy, like full color and things like that. Yeah. I would love to do that, even if it was just one of purely of just the canon, unmade canon movies. Because I've mm-hmm. got full color ads for almost 150 of these and various things like that. And just reaching off camera here, there's <laughs> Like, this is a big old book of canon pitches, but we have, oh, wow. we have, here's the mock-up art of Jim Belushi starring in Number One with a Bullet, which, that was a version of, not the version of Number One with a Bullet that we got, but a different one they were working on for a while, but just some, there's, there's, this, this whole thing is full of unmade canon movies, just right behind my head here is a escape from beyond this was going to be the sci-fi um gladiator like space gladiator follow up to treasure of the four crowns they were going to shoot it in wonder vision 3d but there's just this beautiful beautiful art book that they promote they they produce to try to get the the financing again this is going to look very silly but just some that's awesome amazing pieces of artwork and there's so many different Pieces of art for even the made movies like Masters Universe that production art that is just just beautiful. It should be somewhere where everyone can look at it and and just incredible.
0: Wow, I'm gonna describe this for the people that are listening. So it's like oh, yeah. horses pulling. It looked very almost Frizetta like, like Frank Frizetta artwork.
1: hmm It uh, yeah, I, I apologize for the people people listening, but yeah, it's. It was going to be a uh, canon, canon made by the same guys who did *Treasures of Four Crowns*. Their three follow-up, Falling *The Space Gladiator*, played by Rub Brown, second mention in this this episode mm-hmm. here, and Richard Lynch is the bad guy. It's like, oh, how how wonderful would that have been? There there are so many movies that, again, I've I've got ads for probably about 150 lost or unmade canon movies that wow. would it would be fun to. But even I'm re- I'm looking off camera again now, and I have like some crazy alternate art for um, Life Force, and I won't flash it up here on the camera now just because it's filled with nudity. But it's just it's a beautiful piece of artwork that was yeah. unused in the actual like promotional promotion art. So I would love to share this stuff either either in a book or even. If I know the labels are limited by what they're allowed to put on the discs by licensors, a lot of times. But if there's any label working on Canon stuff and they're listening to this, and just feel free to ask me what I have. I'm I'm happy to share it to share it with you, so that if you know if, if an image gallery or something even would help, <laughs> add value. Say that again.
0: So if anyone is watching this video that works with the studios that own these properties, you're willing <laughs> to share that. I want I want that to be. Yes. I want to
1: highlight that absolutely i am willing to share this stuff because i would love to get it into the hands of uh, make it so the people who love these movies as much as i do can have the opportunity to sort of see this history and this, this artwork that goes with them
0: did any of these movies end up with fox and now
1: disney gosh
0: i mean not to not come to mind
1: right offhand. a lot That's of them right. are <laughs> most of the bulk of them are mgm who are now amazon right and then there's a there's a selection of them that are warner brothers um that later movies mostly that warner brothers Mm -hmm. owns from the catalog and then there's a lot of them that are just tied up in weird rights issues because canon got financing from strange places and Mm -hmm. again that that's probably why i i imagine some of the ones that are seem like the most obvious home video releases haven't gotten them yet (laughs) there are some that. Just seem like this would sell a bunch of copies if somebody put it out but mm-hmm. it's probably it's probably some something to do with canon signed a bad contract or signed a contract in a weird territory that foregoes release in other places
0: are some of those that you're talking about available underground are they being circulated in other play unofficial channels
1: yes yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> i mean a lot of them youtube isn't very deep underground but, for example, there's a movie that seems it would be a great release. It's um, Lena Wartmuller, who, of course, made some great films, was mm-hmm. wrote some spaghetti westerns. She directed a movie for canon called Kimora. And it stars Harvey Keitel as a drug dealer. This is 1984, 1985, when this was being made and released. And it's shot in Naples. And it's almost, it's it's got... Um, giallo elements in it because there's these all these point of view shots of this black gloved killer chasing down all these people all these mobsters that are linked to this drug ring and they his calling card is he leaves a heroin uh needle stabbed in the in the corpse's crotch in the victim's crotch and it's, it's just this very crazy um perverse twisted movie with those sort of like horror and Italian connections and Harvey Keitel in a great in a great role and it's a movie that was not released in the U.S. and for reasons that again probably are tied up with some sort of rights something something held it up but for me to see it I'm writing the book now several years ago I had to order a bootleg DVD from gosh I think it came from Germany and had burned in Greek subtitles. And that's it's a movie that it just seems like, oh, there are, there are at least five labels I can think of that there this would probably match their audience and it would be a good fit. And I even know i I know a gentleman who has done bonus features for several of the labels, some incredible video essays and things like that, who is a, fan of the and it's just like when it's you already have somebody who knows so much about this movie to do your extra features if you wanted to so that's a movie that if anybody's listening and (laughs) put it out and and yeah it's it 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 seems like one that more people should see and again i had to go through weird channels i had to give my credit card to a weird site and wait for a dvdr to arrive four months later and then try to ignore the greek okay. subtitles
0: you they didn't take you for everything that you had did you did was uh, there- no
1: no they they probably looked and didn't didn't re- didn't see enough worth taking <laughs> <laughs> unless they can okay. get their pry this canon stuff out of my hands yeah
0: i want to ask you, you you keep talking about it. we're going we're about to take a left turn here um yeah you seem to manifest the things that you want. I believe that manifestation, I know it's a hippie term, but there is something to be said for setting a goal for yourself and then doing everything you can to make that goal a reality. And you, the way you work and the way you have just talked in this interview, just the last guy, this chat, whatever this is the last cup you, you talked about, you know, if there's anyone out there who, you know, can get this out, if there's anyone out there who wants to work on this stuff, you are actively Projecting a willingness in a in a drive. What is is that a goal for you? Is that something that you are conscious of? Um, this this ethic, this drive. Is that you know what I'm trying to say? I I I think so.
1: It's um. <laughs> oh boy, well <laughs> I think you anything worth doing. If you're willing to work hard for it, you can make stuff happen and. It's something that if you're willing to do that and you put in the hard work, it will it, it'll, it'll pay off. I, I think of these book these book projects, which now going on year eight, that I've been kind of head you know, under underwater in, in 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 canon um research and interviews and things like that. Before the first one was released, there were a good five years where I was just sort of doing this research and I kind of felt crazy. I'm just like, am I doing this? Does anybody, would anybody want to read this? Was, is there any point to this? But now it's something that's after the first one got out there, I am talking to yourself. I'm talking to so many of my heroes. I'm talking to people who love these movies as much as I do. It's, it's no longer that, that lonely experience. It's just very, very rewarding in every way i and now it, it, i would say just the nature of the work has changed those those years of just toiling away wondering if anybody else was interested in these stories beside myself now i'm interacting with people on social media i'm talking to people with for canon adjacent projects and things like that it's it's just, it's it's incredibly rewarding. I, this this past summer, I I got to go to Action Fest and be invited as a guest. And I'm honing drive-in for what they do at their, they're such an important place in, in my mind. And just to get that information, I was so honored. <laughs> so absolutely honored to be out, asked to go out there and introduce some movies. But it's just things like that. If If you really work at something and you really believe in it. I I do believe that it'll, it'll come back. It will pay off mm-hmm. eventually someday. Just <laughs> yeah. don't, don't give up. That's
0: that's, I, I think that's, <clears throat> you are aligned with my thinking on the matter too. And those guys at the Mahoning are so passionate and mm-hmm. I'm so happy to see their success because they love what they do, but they also do the work. You know how much work goes into what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even during the off months, I mean, they're still just working so hard to, to, to get their hands on things and to keep things alive and planning. And I just have so much respect for that. And people ask me sometimes, you know, like, well, what's the secret to, you know, I don't want to position myself like, well, I'm a big YouTuber or something like that. (laughs) But you know, the secret to, to anything, the secret to succeeding is to anything is to find something that you have passion for. And to just put everything, put all of your work into it. You have to work. You have to work very hard. It, you will probably have to make sacrifices. But if you, I'm with you, if you do that work and if you love what you're doing, you will see the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think when you set out to do this, did you have any idea um, how much how much work you were going to have to do? To Did you see this workload ahead of you?
1: I did not anticipate I I did not anticipate how much work it would be but again it's been fun. I I couldn't ask for more more fun subject matter to research and write about. That's yeah. if I'm spending you know a, an entire weekend afternoon just reading reading the day-to-day like shooting of a movie like Revenge of the Ninja like going through newspaper articles and reading like these these terrible very low quality text. I'm not disappointed. That's fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. well,
0: that's what I mean. Like if you, if you love what you're doing, if you have passion for what you're doing, it is work. I don't want to mm-hmm. mislead people. Some people say, well, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I don't think that's true at all. You work harder mm-hmm. than ever before because you care so much about it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so uh, that's, I, I love what you're saying. Did you, so I, I don't want to add like, I want to ask you about book three, but I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be those guys who like, like. Here's this new thing. Well, what about the next one? Like, I don't want to do that. But do you, you just kind of implied that it's going to be pretty big? Is it, are you looking at another hefty page count?
1: Yeah, there's still a long ways to go. This one, this this one, it's going to be a bit of a weight than there was between the, the first and the second. Because I started the second, I started the second a bit of a head start. I was already working on it when I had a publisher for the first. So now now i don't have the head start so i won't promise a release date that was <laughs> yeah. it, it it's 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 coming and there's going to be a lot of it and it's it's a fun one there there are several several of the big movies you have like surprise and discovery of van Dam in there's but there's also i would say this one has more of the sort of lesser known films because during the late canon era things were financially very bad and a lot of the movies had to go direct to video so these are movies that i think unless people saw them had them at their store or now they're watching one something like tubi these are there. there's there are a lot of lesser known films here, so i think people can people who read the third one will be discovering um that they'll have a higher chance of actually finding things in there more things in there that they haven't seen yet or maybe they're they're not familiar with and certainly where the backstories have not been told there these are a lot of movies that don't even have inaccurate imdb trivia or wikipedia pages so they're just listed in filmographies
0: are you um you're going to be done with it at three
1: is three like it's a trilogy and yeah three unless unless a a wonderful publisher wants to a big book of the unmade canon movies or a book of ephemera Um, well
0: we're in an era now where like Baz Luhrmann puts out a a, like a two hour and 40 minute Elvis movie and people go where's the four hour cut so I wonder (laughs) is there any temptation to revisit the first volume since it's compared to what the other two are going to be it's it's uh, slimmer is there any temptation to go back to that and be like here's the special edition version
1: (laughs) i mean there there are certainly stories that i've heard since uh some something that happened to the phenomenon with the second one is a lot of people who i approached for interviews never got back to me or were kind of like i don't know because they yeah. didn't know who i was or what i was how i was approaching the project that i was coming at it throughout my place with love i think a lot of these people are like oh i'm gonna go on a some sort of bad movie show, and we're gonna—they're gonna make fun of this thing that I toiled away for you right. know a year of my life, and so they—they—they they, they were very hesitant. But with the second one, it, it when I was working on that, the first one was out there. People were talking about it, and they could see that, and I think that gave a lot of people confidence. There were people who I had hoped to get for the first volume who suddenly got, I got emails back from. There were people who who were in the first one and received a copy and was like this is this is what I was hoping it would be like let me give you here talk to this person here's a phone number here's a phone number so that's part of the reason why the second one is so much bigger Mm -hmm. so I gotta finish the third one first before I would think of anything like that But, but there are certainly things that I would love to go back and add or Someday in the future, if there was going to do a a color one or something like that, that would be very, very cool. But no, 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 no plans yet.
0: (laughs) Well, it's just something I've been thinking about, because um, if 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 I may, when we first started talking upon the release of the first book, you had come home from work and met like a full inbox. And you were like, I had no idea that this was going to be what it turned into. And you, yeah. it's almost like overnight, you got the credibility and the respect that you deserve and that you've been working toward. It just hit all of it, like you, it was, va- it was like almost overnight validation. And so I was just wondering if that impacted, if, if you had any plans, because, you know, now you can tell things the way you want to tell them, Or right? You have, you have the, um, <clears throat> the credibility is not the word that I want to use. Cause you've always had the credibility, but you have the the cachet within the industry now, you know what I mean to uh, to get some things done and <clears throat> to open some doors. So anyway, I, I appreciate your answer on that one. What uh, is there anything that like non-canon? You know, I know you, you're working on other things. You're always working on things. What what else is going
1: on with you? Who well, I've I, I've started giving some thought to what comes after canon <laughs> because when this one when, when this third book is done i have gotten used to a such a regular pace of, of work and finding time to do it where where i can and um getting the most out of the time that i have to devote to this project and i just i wonder a bit where that energy what what project i can channel that energy next so i've been I've been keeping some documents and ideas and I've been collecting materials for other books in the same space. Mm -hmm. Obviously we're looking at, um, again, like cult is the, is a a term that's thrown around incorrectly and I'm going to misuse it here, but, but I would say probably forgotten or underappreciated, underappreciated like movies, I would say is probably the, in the same area. So, I'm starting to formulate those and there's even there's there's a potential one that I've I've even logged a few interviews for that I can hopefully bank for later some people that I've spoken to who are getting up there in age. So, one of the one of the things in book two that I have made me I'm really so glad it was able to happen I'm glad it happened when it did is I have an interview with James Karen, who from Poltergeist return to living dead just a <laughs> wonderful sweet man but he was in his mid-90s this was gosh 2016 or 17 when I talked to him but he had passed he, he passed away just a few months after that interview happened but I had been on the phone with him for two hours and you know, he's a guy who had to put his acting career on hold to go fight in World War II there's not many people with that story and I was glad I got it when I did and again it's one of these things that if I can talk to somebody about a canon project and and if they're willing to talk to me about some other projects, I kind of want to get these stories. And if it's something, if I don't write the book and someday I still love to have just these stories recorded to share in another way, even if it's just uploading the audio files to archive.org. These
0: things become the document when these people are gone. The, the work lives on, of course, but these interviews and the things that you're capturing now are preserving their story in a way that is so valuable because we don't always have convention panels and a lot of these guys didn't do convention panels and really it's going to come down to these interviews and if you can get them when you're getting them when they have so much perspective and so much of a story, you know uh, it's so it's so valuable it's so important and I, that's why I, said, I just have so much admiration for this I was I was flipping through this book before you know just kind of refreshing myself on what I wanted to talk to you about and it literally gives me goosebumps because I have so much, affection for these movies these are movies from my childhood but they're also movies that mean something to me and Mm -hmm. you have approached them so reverentially not saying you know again you're not telling something you're not saying they are something that they're not you are not like this masterpiece like but it's reverential because you do ultimately love this stuff and it resonates with me and it's almost like a religious thing I mean it really is like I have so much affection and so much respect for what you're doing if it, it, it almost feels like a religious kind of a thing so thank you for taking it seriously and for putting the work in
1: thank you so much for saying that that's that's really again that 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 means so much
0: is there is there anything else you want to talk about before we we wind it down i don't want to have uh limited you to anything or focus too much on one particular thing no
1: i just i i i guess i i would just while i'm here i i do want to again, repeat and echo my, the respect and admiration that I have for the, the, the boutique labels and uh, Blu-ray labels and what they're doing today. They, I feel like we're all sort of working towards this, the conservation, the preservation of this, um, pop culture and entertainment and art that is film. And I, Again, that's one of the reasons I have I've loved these episodes of the show that you've talked to these guys and we can kind of see behind see a little bit about what goes into running these labels and the curation and the artwork. And I I really appreciate what 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 these what what those people are doing for and how it works along with what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll I'll wrap this up with like a call to action, but where do you recommend people buy these books?
1: Well, if you still have a local bookstore, if you're lucky enough, you can order it there, um, support your brick and mortars where you can, but outside of that, um, you can get it on Amazon, your, um, Barnes and Noble, they, um, bearmantermedia.com you can even order it through them. They, they publish again, as, as, as a company that's doing a lot of efforts to preserving film history what by by telling the stories and often getting the stories from the people who lived them it's a it's a it's a com- that, that they're, they're really putting a lot of um, amazing books out there that i i don't think anybody else would <laughs> and if you're you're a fan or interested in any anything that they cover or write about definitely check out the website and browse through it because bear manor is doing some putting out some very what i feel is some some, some very important memoirs and pieces of research but I can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Canon Film Guide. That's where I post. I like to dig through the thousands and thousands of pieces of material that I have and kind of post the things that <laughs> didn't make the books or things that I've discovered since the books have come out or learned and things like that. Also answer questions. If anybody has any questions about any Canon stuff, I can be contacted and reached through there. I'm happy to answer them.
0: You are the Canon scholar. You are <laughs> the leader in this. Uh, this. Exciting new world of movie history. I don't think history is a bad word. I think it's a good thing. I think it's important and you are doing great work. So thank you for talking to me and thank you for uh, everything that you've done.
1: Thank you.
0: (laughs) Okay. So when you come off an interview like this, don't you guys just want to go watch Canon movies? When I, these conversations inspire me, they make me want to go just watch movies that's kind of what, you know, that's the goal of any conversation like this. It's just to like fire your passion for this stuff. It also makes me want to go get a subscription to newspapers.com because I'm like, oh, I've been researching all wrong. As always, thank you so much for any support that you can provide cereal at midnight. That comes in the form of subscribing. Yeah. Please subscribe to this podcast or this channel. Give us things like thumbs ups. Please rate, review uh, and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, tell your friends, that's, I think that's probably the biggest thing that you can do is tell all your friends that you're listening to the Serial at Midnight podcast that, hey, Serial at Midnight podcast, Serial at Midnight loves movies and they they love comics and they love music and things like that, but they're having different conversations than everybody else is having about those things. Uh, help us to get our name out there. Uh, a lot of people know and support Serial at Midnight. We got a lot of, I want to thank the Patreon supporters that make this thing happen each and every I was going to say each and every week. The podcast is weekly, but Serial at Midnight is darn near daily over on the YouTube machine. Uh, and there's if you are listening to this podcast and you're like, I, I got to have more of the Serial at Midnight. Then head over to the YouTube channel, Serial at Midnight. It's, it's youtube.com slash Serial at Midnight. Just like you would say it or just like you would write it or just like you would dream it. Uh, and there are you know, about 900 videos for you there. And there range all kinds of topics. There range you know, me. I'm a, I'm a huge vinyl supporter and, uh, and and collector. I'm a huge music fan. I'm a huge comics fan. Um, but really, movies, if you're here for movies, there's a ton of movie coverage on uh, the Serial at Midnight YouTube channel, ranging from interviews with lots of creative people that haven't been featured here on the podcast. Maybe I'll, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to create this podcast was to convert some of the video interviews that I've done to audio formats so people they'll be more approachable for people right because YouTube is it seems to be more and more geared to a quick view you know we have our, our attention spans are not what they used to be especially when we sit down in front of something and engage with it directly uh, YouTube does not specialize anymore if they ever did in longer form content and uh, I have the analytics right so I know how long I have most people It is an increasingly shortening attention span, but that does not apply to a podcast because you're listening to this going down the road or while you're jogging or while you're walking at the mall, while you do your taxes, Mr. Anderson. uh, You're able to take this with you wherever you wanna go. It's in your pocket, right? So uh, that frees up all kinds of things and I would like to slowly start converting more and more of those conversations to audio format for you guys uh but uh yeah there's no need to keep this thing going longer than i have already thank you so much for checking out this episode please get involved you can email at serialmidnight@gmail.com. at gmail.com uh you can find all of our social media links in the description of this video Thank you very much for checking out this episode. Please stay with us. We have more exciting things coming in the next few weeks. I mean, really, you guys. It's just, it's a—it's an embarrassment of riches. We are, the conversations you are about to hear are so amazing. And uh, I'm so glad to be here to share them with you guys. Take care. Until next time, I will catch you.